Welcome to Mondo and Friends presented by Verizon. My name is Mondo Fresco and today we are here with stand-up comedian, star, co-creator, writer, Chris Estrada. Chris, how are you, man? Chilling, man. How you doing, Mondo? I'm super, super excited to have Thanks. you here, man. Thanks, and, man. I'm excited you to know, be here. Like I, I told you before the camera started, uh, we're all fans of the show. Oh, dude, that and, means a lot. Uh, For real. And we quote it. We quote yeah. the show. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we have a lot of fun with it, man. Thanks, and, man. And I think I really we all it. started watching it individually, and then we started recommending it to each other. And we're like, oh, we're we're already watching it. So that's dope, um, man. That I means think a lot. I think it's really cool um, what you guys have done with with this fool. That's yeah. Now available on Hulu. Yeah, yeah. Um, Watch it on Hulu. And uh, but before we we go into into the show, man, mm -hmm. I I want to go back. I want to yeah. take it back to where uh, you first fell in love with with what you do yeah you know and uh as a writer as a comedian as a mm -hmm. stand-up comic which is a yeah. whole different type of um craft yep yeah right? yeah absolutely so Very of, of the things that you're doing now yeah of the many things that you're doing now um what do you recall being the first thing uh that you jumped into in in entertainment it was stand-up comedy. Stand -up I mean, comedy. I, I think I wanted to write before I was doing stand-up, but, like, sometimes writing seems a little, like, um, it it seems like you don't know how to get into a place or at least, like, the idea of writing for TV or even writing a film seems like you could do it, but it seems the, the system itself seems impenetrable, mm. you know, as opposed to, like, stand-up, you can just kind of go to an open mic and get up and do it. And then it was really through stand-up comedy that I started kind of late. I mean, I'm 38 and I started stand-up at 29, mm. which, you know, for most part, like people who start stand-up are really like usually in there as young as 19 to 21, you know? Yeah. So I started, I, I started at 29 and, and that was because I probably, I just, I just worked a bunch of jobs. I was never really doing anything I wanted to do, you know? I'm not college educated, so I didn't even have a good job in that sense, you know. So I I was just, man, I was, I think I had a, my first office job at 28, you know. Other than that, I was working in like, if I wasn't working like a blue collar job at a warehouse or, you know, doing, even doing like construction or like working with my friend as a jardinero or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was... I was just really just meandering and not doing anything. I always wanted to do stand up. I was just sort of like not doing it, you know. Were people telling you, "Hey, man, you know, you're you're a funny guy. You should do stand up." Did you ever hear that? Or no, because I wasn't funny in the way that like a class clown. I was funny in the slick way, like I would be a smart ass with my friends, you yeah. know. But I really enjoyed stand up, and I really enjoyed comedy, and I love film, and uh, I liked good TV and stuff like that, and like literature. But it wasn't it wasn't until I. So I got fired from like maybe one of my last jobs that I was like, and I was still working when I did, when I started stand up, but I think I was like, I fired from a job and I was like, I'm going to try stand up. I'm going to go to an open mic. And I went to two open mics that night and then just kind of thought, why don't, and yeah, I had just come off a relationship too. So my nights were free yeah. and I just thought like, might as well do something. Yeah. So I didn't think about, I've never approached anything in the sense of like, I'm going to become, I never approached stand up in the way of like, I'm going to. I want to be famous or yeah. I want to make money. I more approached it as like, well, 
I want to do this thing that is like creatively fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And then I just started doing it. And then you kind of not quickly, but if once you start showing up more and more and as time passes, you sort of become part of a community, a stand up community. So it was that kind of became my social circle, kind of became my life. So I would work in the day and then go up like as soon as I was done with my job, whether it was like four or five, I would I would go do open mics for the rest of the night, you know be yeah. out to like midnight one two in the morning start all over that next morning go to work go up and do stand-up so really it was, it was through stand-up i mean the only reason the show happened was because i the guys that i co-created the show with they were they used to be stand-ups and mm. they saw they knew me from the stand-up scene wow yeah. so mm. i i know that you you grew up in in south central inglewood area yeah inglewood yeah uh so you're you started getting to comedy or being a stand-up comedian mm-hmm. uh you said like l- like almost close to when you turn 30 yeah, yeah yeah so up until then let's say like your early 20s yeah you did you ever think that you would go into comedy or anything like that no i wanted to do creative work i just wasn't doing it you know i loved film and i loved like comedy and i liked good tv like you know i loved the, i loved writing but i just I wasn't doing any of it. I was kind of saying I would one day yeah. and then years time would pass and I didn't, you know, and cause it kind of seems, it seems a little impenetrable, you know, you don't know, like, where, where do I start? Yeah. Like, you know, it's easy to overwhelm yourself, you know, for sure. And then, uh, finally you just go, I'm just, I think I was probably just sick and tired of saying I was going to do it and not do it that I was like, I can't, I'm, I had to stop both myself you know what was what was the that that last job that that fired you that made you take that that leap jesus i think i was working as a valet at the beverly hilton maybe oh wow yeah i was working as a, i had like i had just i was just had like my personality was really three dude a dude with three jobs like <laughs> you know i i had three jobs that would pay me what one good job would pay me, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. now some people have one good job and it pays them really well. <laughs> I had to have three in order to get yeah. paid. Okay. You know? Yeah. So I think I got, yeah, I was working nights at like the Beverly Hilton as a valet and I think I got laid off. Yeah. I think if that, I think that might've been it. I was like nine years ago now. Wow. Yeah. That's one of the biggest blessings. Yeah. yeah. It was good. It freed a up fire, my nights right? and then I got, I ended up doing stand up at night because, you know, stand up, you can only do it at night mm-hmm. and open mics are mostly at night. So, yeah. And then I just kind of didn't have to do. I think I just came off of a relationship. And so my nights were free. So I just started doing stand up. Yeah. When, yeah. when you when you start doing stand up, you're you know first out of a relationship. Uh, um, I'm thinking your family. Yeah. Usually, you know, if. I grew up in a traditional, traditional Mexican family. Yeah. Um, they don't really understand, you know, I think the entertainment business. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. How was that for you? Well, you know, I think my mom, my sisters got it because they're from here, you know, born here, but my mom probably, I think she was like, I don't know, you look, you seem happy. So just keep doing what you're doing, you know? And also like explaining what stand up is to my mom who's in her late sixties, you know. Yeah. It's um stand up doesn't exist that way in Mexico. I mean it does now. That yeah. um, there's a lot of stand up comedians in Mexico. But for her of her generation, yeah, you know, she when she 
thought of comedy, she thought of like Antifla movies, you know, yeah. stuff like that, like Tintan and all that. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't necessarily like stand up comedy because, you know, stand up is very American. Like it's it's an American art form like jazz or whatever, you know. Yeah. And so I think when I told her I was doing stand up, I think I might have compared it to like Luis de Alba, you know, from yeah, La Escuelita yeah, yeah. Yes. or whatever. Like he does a lot of but his style is kind of like old school, like any young man, like it's very take my wife, please type of jokes, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I just equated it to that, you yeah. know, because they're like, which there was no, at, at least maybe at the time, I didn't know there was no equivalent of like a Louis CK or like, yep. uh, you know, there was in Mexico, maybe I, I know there is now, yeah. but I, yeah, at the time. So she was pretty supportive. She would just go, I mean, I had a job during the day and then at night, I wasn't living at home, but she just knew that I was doing stand-up at night. So she would just ask me, ¿Cómo te van los chistes? You know? <laughs> I'd be like, good. And then she goes, well, bien, bien. Yeah, yeah. She was like, that's good. Echale ganas. You know? Yeah. She kind of was like, I guess he's doing... Uh, he'll figure it out or whatever, yeah. you know? So, yeah. I think as long as I had a job. Like, I... Because you have to. You, you you know, like, comedy doesn't pay f until it pays, you know? Right. So nobody pays you to go to open mics. Nobody... So it's like... So I had a job. So during the day, I mean, it wasn't a good job, but I was, had a job and I like she was just probably like, cool. I was working at a warehouse. So she was like, all right, well, you have a job. So whatever you do at night, you're I hope, cool. I hope it works out. This next section of the program is sponsored by Verizon. Get the network more people rely on and mix and match 5G unlimited plans. Para toda la familia. So you only pay for what you need. Plus, more entertainment. So you'll have access to your favorite movies, games, and music. Chris, speaking of familia, what does your family think of your career today? I mean, my mom trips out. She trips out. But she's also kind of old school in that sense. Like, so now that she sees that it's a career, she goes, oh, that's good. Ya te puedes casar. You know, like, <laughs> you can get married and have kids and whatnot. Yeah. And... But yeah, she seems pretty like into it, you know, I mean, like she's it, I think for her, it's like, cool, you have a career more so than like some abstract notion of like, oh, you accomplish your goals or dreams or whatever. It's more like, good, you have a career and it's good to have a career, you know, yeah. you know, we recently had someone we, we had a, a college, uh -huh. a local college come to to our studio a, a couple weeks ago. And uh, one of the students that came by was in her late 20s. Yeah. And she said, I want to do, uh, I think she wanted to do radio. Yeah. She's like, but I think I, I waited too long. Yeah. Right. And I, you're a prime example that it's never too late. Like, yeah. You can start at, at any age. And as long as you put in the work, I mean, it's, it's feasible. Yeah. I would say, I always tell people like, just do it and have fun and let that drive you you know i'm always weary of telling people like do it and put your ten thousand hours in or, or all that mm -hmm. like all that malcolm gladwell like <laughs> i just go because it's so unforgiving i mean a lot yeah. of it is is a lot of it sure is hard work but a lot of it is like timing and luck to an yeah. extent you know yeah. and and networking and who you know so i always tell people just do it like if you if somebody tells me they want to do stand up, I go, go try it. And if you like it, great. Keep going. Mm -hmm. Just let that drive you like let your let the fact that you're doing something creative drive you. 
and see where that takes you, you know? But if you don't like it, that's okay. Don't force yourself to like it. Like the, the fact that you just tried it is amazing, you know? Yeah. So, so you start doing comedy, a stand up mm -hmm. comedian. Mm -hmm. And uh, what was, what came after that? Would you say, because uh, I know you, you, obviously, you're an actor as well. Yeah. Um, you started taking acting classes. Do you start writing more for shows? Yeah. Like, what, what comes, what comes next? Or what were you thinking? It was really just stand up for me. It was like, it was doing stand up and trying to get on, like, trying to get some sense of recognition in the industry. Yeah. Like, uh, getting recognized. I was showcasing for Comedy Central. I was showcasing for this festival called Just for Laughs in Montreal. Nice. They're like new faces. And so it was a lot of that. And I was writing at the time. I was like writing scripts and pilots and stuff like that. And occasionally being invited to a room to do punch up. Like punch up is when you go and punch up the script, like pitch jokes, you know, for a script. But other than, I wasn't really acting. I mean, I... I enjoyed acting, but it was really my acting opportunity came from being on the show. Wow. Like and before that, I'd only done two things. And the thing about comedy is that like when you work in comedy, a lot of your work ends up coming from other comedians who get things before you or, you know, and sometimes like before the show, I was in a show, I was in an episode of the show called Corporate mm -hmm. and that was on Comedy Central. But that only happened because the guys that I co-created the show with this full they, they that was their show before this full, was corporate on Comedy Central. Got it. And we were already working on it, developing the show together. So they said, hey, you should come. Or would you be interested in being in an episode? And I said, yeah, sure. And I like I enjoyed acting, but I wasn't like my thing was in like my goal was trying to become was to just keep becoming a stand up and tour and then also like hopefully write, get into writers rooms and stuff like that. What would yeah. you say is, is the most, or was back then, you're starting up, mm. was the most challenging thing about getting into this industry? You know, probably, probably slightly my age, because I was kind of like, but I didn't let it stop me. I just kept going because I was yeah. having fun regardless. Yeah. You know, I was having fun. But also, you know, when you're kind of like grow up working class and you, you know, you're like, it, when you grow up working class and you're probably you're like Latino and you kind of you're in a system that seems like kind of closed off to you, maybe. Mm -hmm. Or it seems like, you know, sometimes you'll meet kids who do comedy and they come from rich parents and they don't have to have a day job. Yeah. They, you know, they don't need a plan B. Yeah. Or they have connections and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So a lot of it was for me was like, you know, it was hard, like holding down a job and like doing all that stuff like it was intimidating because you were just like well i hope this isn't i'm having fun doing this but i hope it leads somewhere and it's not fruitless or whatever but i think it was just having fun and then applying like a hard work ethic to it just being yeah. like all right this is fun but treat it like like a job or have like i never had like perpetual i never had big goals i always had incremental goals mm. which was like cool get comfortable at three minutes Get comfortable at five minutes. Have a 10-minute set. Know how to do 20 minutes of stand-up. Know how to do 30 minutes. So it was just incrementally like that. Yeah. As opposed to like when I was, I didn't start going, one day I'm going to, I want to have a TV show. Or one day I want to, this is, I I want to have a comedy special. Because that like, that's that way of thinking uh, overwhelms me. Mm. You know, but if I think of like incremental goals, yeah. you know, like. 
cruzas un nivel, you know, you get to the next level, next level. Yeah. yeah. What's the longest special you've you've done now? I haven't done a special. I did something for HBO a few years ago called uh, with this other comedian where we did like 15 minutes each on a special, but I headline on the road and I do like 50 minutes. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I do headline like I headline like when I go to clubs outside, like when I do, perform at clubs. Yeah. Depending if it's my like I have a weekend there, I'll do like 50 minutes. Yeah. Nice. Like 45 to 50. And I guess the goal now is to hopefully like within the next like two years, a year or two, make us record a special. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, man. So, yeah. you know, you, you told me that the challenge then was how to do a little bit with, with starting a little later. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the, the biggest challenge today for you, you think? You know, dealing with, like, I would say probably dealing with, like, stress of, like, being, like, like your mind being at different places all at once. Mm. Like, you're thinking about the show, then you're going to, I'm doing stand-up at night, and having having a compartmentalized aspects of my life you know yeah like when i go do stand-up go or don't let the fact that you can't figure out how to write this story affect what you're doing tonight at wow. stand-up. so yeah probably like that i think or wondering like if we don't get picked up for a second season what should i be working on next yeah. things like that so i think a lot of it is probably like once you have a career is how to keep a career you know what i mean like so much of like so much of like creative work and working in entertainment like you said you kind of have to self-motivate you know like you have to self-motivate and like you have to learn how to keep it yeah you know and because if you don't like nobody's gonna give you anything so you kind of have to keep like generating work for yourself yeah for sure yeah so a lot of that is that is like yeah, because I, you know, a lot of people get a career, but can they keep it? You know, mm-hmm. can they sustain it? I guess yeah. is what it is. And generating work for yourself and being self motivated—it's hard. <laughs> do you do you find it um, being you know Latino uh, that you? Because I, I sometimes feel like there's a, there's a lot of pressure in in being Latino and. Uh, you know, not failing because I don't want to let my parents down. Right. Like you said, like, it's not like we come Mm. my family from a crazy amount of money where I could just like chill. Um, you know, do you find pressure in, in, in that end or in in that way? Kind of. I mean, I feel like, you know, you just have a work ethic and you go like, you know, if you come from working class people, like who are always working or like you don't want to feel like you know you don't want no te quieres sentir como un huevón you know like right, you want to right, keep working right. and like, like a lazy person yeah yeah you want to keep working and then making things for yourself so yeah i mean it's hard yeah i've i guess that yeah that's a lot of it has to do with that when when you go about life and you do different things in life mm-hmm. it it's sort of um it it life teaches you right yeah different things yeah and and, and different experiences you learn Mm -hmm. from uh from the different jobs that you had because it sounds like 
you know, you, you did valet, you oh, I had awful jobs. You, know, yeah, <laughs> you, awful job. you did a lot of a, a lot yeah. of different types of jobs. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the biggest lesson that these these jobs that weren't in entertainment taught yeah. you? Well, I think a lot of it is just probably a work ethic, you know, like it's just kind of sucking up and doing the work, you mm-hmm. know, and those jobs have validity, you know, like I, sure. just because they're not entertainment jobs doesn't mean they're they're less than for sure. You know, I just wasn't happy because it's not what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know, but like, um, yeah, they just taught me like kind of just the same thing as entertain. It's like nobody gives a get up and do your job. Yeah. Like get up, get here on time. Like you're expected to do your work. You're expected to get paid like. It's yeah, it really just taught me like a work ethic that I think I probably had already, but it's just like, yeah, get up, get up and do your job and or you're going to get fired. Right. Yeah. Show up. Yeah. Show show up up on time. Yeah. Show up on time. And that's kind of helps you self-motivate. But that probably comes from being broke, too, because you can't afford to not have the job. Yeah. You know, Yeah. you can't afford not to have one of the three jobs or whatever, you know. So, yeah, I think a lot of it was just self-motivating and having to work out there. Mm. What do you enjoy now the most? Um, now that you're in, in this space, you know, you, you yeah. a hit TV show, you know, you're, you're touring with, yeah. with your, your comedy. What's your, your favorite thing about, about everything that, that you have going on? I'd say it's a lot of things. It's probably, I think if I had to generalize it and be like just use a general world is kind of creating stuff you yeah. know whether that's stand-up comedy you kind of have to create your own stand-up comedy you have to sit down and write or at least like think about the stuff you want to talk about and how do you make that funny and then it's the same thing for writing like if you want to write a script you have to like creating it you know mm-hmm. i think the work is hard like i don't think i don't i like half enjoy the work and half hate it you know <laughs> Because it's hard, but that's okay because anything worth it is kind of hard, you know? For sure. And then, so a lot of it is, yeah, just doing anything creative, whether it's stand-up or writing a script or getting the opportunity to act is really nice. It's fun. Really, I think for me, it's a lot of stand-up and stand-up and writing that I really enjoy. Nice. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I think there's a, a misconception in mm-hmm. in entertainment with people looking from the outside in thinking that people in entertainment or comedians or actors, you know, you, you name it, um, just overall the spectrum of being in entertainment. Uh, there's this misconception of people thinking it's easy. Yeah. Oh man. You know, it's easy. Uh, once, once they're there and once you're on TV show, like you've made it, you're set. Yeah. Um, you know, but the truth is, it's a lot of work. And like you said, yeah. man, like... You got to sustain a career. You got to sustain it. Yeah, you have to sustain it. I mean, like, look at you. You're sustaining yourself by creating this space. Yeah. Your own podcast. Like, you know, nobody... You have to do it yourself. And yeah. like, go, this is what I need to do in order to keep expanding and sustaining a career. Because like, you know, I think at some point you have opportunities and you just can't blow them. It's the same for a job, you know, like if they give you a promotion, if you're like, if you somehow like you're working in construction and then you become a foreman, Mm -hmm. like you have to sustain being a foreman. You have to show up every day and do the work and 
and and take on those new responsibilities and stuff like that. So a lot of it is like, yeah, it's not easy. I, I mean, I think it looks I think it probably looks easy it, because it's not getting up every day, depending on the job. You know, it's a the, the schedule is looser, but you're just flexing other muscles, whether mm-hmm. that's, you know, you're having a like stress over creative work or thinking analytically about like what are you going to do next you know yeah. and that's también te puede matar you know it's like it's crazy it's stressful yeah you know and a lot of that is is having to self-motivate like i said you yeah. know like self-motivate to like just keep going and making your own opportunities because the, the, the thing is it's like always somebody i i heard this comedian say this once like the thing about entertainment is that like it really is like a dream like when people say they want to be doctors and lawyers that their dream is to be a doctor or lawyer that's not a dream that's a goal because goals are achievable yeah you know yeah. like goals you know the steps to them like there's a you if you want to be a doctor you go to you do well in school you go to college yep. you get into med school mm-hmm. You figure out what practice you want to be in or what specifically in med school you want to do. And then if you put in the time, you become a doctor. Yeah. But the thing that's different about entertainment is that there is no clear path. Yeah. You know, it's like you you could literally do all the right stuff and it may not happen. Yeah. You know, that's it's really it's more of a gamble. Like it's it's more like a dream because dreams don't make sense. You know, like dream no tienen sentido. Like if you told someone that like. I'm going to be a comedian or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be on the radio and then I'm going to have my own podcast and then I'm going to have that. They'd be like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> what is he talking about? Like, For sure. you know, go get a job. Yeah. Like, go get a real job or whatever. And they're not wrong to think that because a lot of that is it. There's no clear way. I yeah. mean, like you could go to school, go to a radio school, go to all these things, work at college radio, then transition to. And it may not happen. Right. You know, it, it's like it's it happens that way sometimes, you For know. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, you said uh that you may hear people say, Hey, get a real job. Yeah. I heard that for many, many years from my own parents. Mm-hmm. And I was already doing radio in LA. Yeah. You know, on the, a big station. The number one two the number yeah. two market yeah. uh in, in the nation for yeah, one of right. the biggest radio stations. Yep. And my dad would still be like yeah, I got another trabajo. Yeah, got another job. You know. Yeah, well, it's hard because it's not. It's like you have to sustain it. You know, because just like entertainment, any you know, radio is can be as fickle as like as entertainment. You yeah, know? for sure. For as sure. as TV and film. Yeah. In that, like, I'm assuming if new management comes in, they can clear the whole. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they could flip a, a station into. Yeah. Uh, a different genre yeah. And, yeah and then you find yourself that your next opportunity is in new mexico right and a smaller market and so you know i think it's like i get their concern i mean that's why you really have to self-motivate if you do entertainment or whatever you know yeah. you, earlier you said um how the 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 stressor of of having to maintain and yeah uh, te puede matar, right? It can kill yeah. you. The stress can, yeah, can, the can cancer, kill you. It you know, tires yeah, you. It's matado. You know, what yeah. would you say is is what you do now to take care of, of your mental health and 
to, you know, avoid having anxiety or, or a crazy amount of stress. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think just being in, in the business, it, yeah. that comes, right? Yeah, of course. But like, how do you do that to maintain a, a, a fairly uh, healthy uh, state of mind? I don't know. I'm probably bad at that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm dead inside. I, I'm dead inside. I... I don't I don't even know. I don't see a therapist. I don't do any of that. It's bad. I should. I mean, you know what I do? I, I, I go out for walks or I go running. Nice. Or e- but even doing stand up is stand up is great because stand up is part of like it's what I started in and yeah. what I enjoy really doing. So like even going out at night to do stand up because there's such a like social aspect to stand up that you see your friends mm-hmm. at night. So that's really nice. I mean, it's cool to go out and do stand up. But also, I think probably. I think what's helpful for me too, though, is really honestly talking to my friends that have nothing to do with entertainment and, you know, just asking them about their lives. It puts you in perspective, you know, because you, you know, entertainment is nice. It's not, it's not the most important thing in the world. For sure. If all this stopped tomorrow, we'd figure out something, you know, if, if somehow cameras, all cameras in the world stop working tomorrow, (laughs) we would be okay. I mean, we'd have to get another job, but that's okay. You know, it's like entertainment is truly an escape. It's not like, I have to remind myself that it's not the most important thing in the world, you know? And if I talk to my friends who have kids, who have regular jobs, and they don't want to be in entertainment, Mm -hmm. like they're happy in their lives, working their jobs. That's great. I love hearing that. Yeah. Like, you know, because this is, I think a lot of it is, kind of living in this age where everybody feels like they want to be, they want to do something because, because entertainment is more accessible than ever in a sense where you can start your own podcast. You could start your own YouTube channel. You can do this, you can do that. Yeah. There's this need to want to be seen. And that's, it's not necessarily a bad thing because it makes it accessible to everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have like crazy gatekeepers as much anymore, but in a, but I like talking to people who are just happy in their lives, not doing entertainment. And that's great. Like my buddy who like my compadre who works in like, you know, he does like, he works for the, uh, like, uh, he does for the city doing like water management. Nice. Yeah. He's more than happy doing his job and he has two daughters and like, you know, I think hearing that is really cool. Talking to my friends who don't do any of this because it it grounds you. It brings you back to reality and that this is fun and it's a great job to do. And it's, but, you know, it's not the most important thing in the world. Do you feel like sometimes you live a, a sort of a double life? Yeah, I in think so. Sense? I think so. Yeah, I think especially because I started comedy when I was 29 in that like I, you know, a lot of people who start comedy are like 19, 20, 21. So then throughout their whole 20s, their social life becomes their comedy life becomes their personal life, their social mm-hmm. life. As were when I started, I felt like I already had all my, fr- I made a lot of friends in comedy that are like really good friends, but I also had a lot of friends who I, from high school, who I kept in my twenties in touch with and who I'm still friends with to this day. But it does kind of, yeah, it makes you feel a little bit of a double life, especially like, you know, if you come from people who don't do this a whole lot, you know, like, you know, if you're like, if you're working class and yeah. then Latino at the same time, like it's not, not everybody does this, right. you know, in your right. family. So if you can feel a little bit like double life sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You talked about comedy being, being uh, on stage, being yeah. a standard comedian. 
Um, does that feel therapeutic to you sometimes? I mean, I th- probably I don't treat it like therapy because I hate stand-ups who treat like go up there and go. This talk is about my all their ther- personal life. I, I don't mind if they talk about their personal life as long as it's funny. You know, <laughs> as long as it's funny. I think when it's just like them. Like like venting venting. Yeah. Then I go, all right, well, you could f- call your friends and vent, you know, <laughs> like, like figure out what's funny about it. You know, like if you're going to do it in stand up or whatever. Yeah. But I, I, I guess I do because I really love stand up and I love doing it. So it becomes this thing. It's a fun thing to do. It's stressful sometimes and it's work, but and it's frustrating at the same time because sometimes you bomb in front of people or sometimes you're working on a new joke that's just not going well. Yeah. But it's it's therapeutic and only in the sense that I really enjoy doing it. And it's a craft and you craft, you know, jokes and you craft your set and, you know, so, yeah, but it doesn't come become therapeutic in the way that I talk about my personal mm. life in a way that's just ranting you know yeah yeah uh would you say it's 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 therapeutic in a sense of uh just a release you know the way yeah. you, the way yeah, you go yeah. the way you go and, and mm. you run and, and you hike and stuff like that yeah i mean yeah absolutely even even bombing like even sometimes doing really bad <laughs> is therapeutic like you know sometimes you'll bomb in front of people and that's good like you know, you got to bomb sometimes like you don't learn um, my philosophy. And I've heard people say this before is like I, you don't learn from killing. You learn from bombing, you know, like you do. I don't trust anybody who does well all the time. Yeah. Like if you're doing well all the time, you're like you're a hack. But if you if sometimes you bomb, like you're probably doing something right. Like you're trying to figure it out. You know, yeah. you're challenging yourself or you're coming up with challenging material. But if you're just up there killing all the time, it's just Maybe I'm sure you've done it, but you got to bomb sometimes. You got to yeah. learn from it, you know? Yeah. What, yeah. What's the, the biggest lesson that you that you've taken from from bombing? From bombing is sometimes just tr- trying to refine what I'm talking about and how how to make it funny, you know, because sometimes you go up with a thought that you go, I think this is funny to me and this is weird and a unique yeah. thought. How do I make this funny for people who don't think like me or or how can I, or this is a weird thought. How do I make it funny? And sometimes when you bomb with that new stuff that you're excited about, these yeah. new ideas, it's, you learn that, what you learn is you haven't gotten there yet. You know, like, or sometimes you also learn that that crowd sucks. You know, sometimes <laughs> it's like, sometimes there's just bad crowds. It's yeah. not like sometimes crowds are idiots, you know, like they're idiots. Yeah. Sometimes they're wrong. Cause I know I've seen comics that I really enjoy do bad in front of a crowd and I would go, Oh, these crowd, they're just idiots. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're, you know, it's, but, and it could just be like a small group in a certain area. Yeah. Just sometimes right? it doesn't. Yeah. Sometimes for whatever reason, you're not what they dig. Yeah. You know? And that's okay. You know? Uh, so, but yeah, I do think the best stuff comes from bombing. Like you learn, you got to take chances or whatever, you know. And that's just in life too, right? Yeah. Like, like yeah. failures, you got to you gotta learn from them. Yeah, you got to take your L's, you know. You got to take L's and then kind of learn from those L's as much as they suck, you know. You know, for uh, in, in that sense of, of bombing or, or learning from, from being on stage, um, 
you know, as I'm, I'm not a comedian, but mm. you know, I, I'm, I'm a host. And, yeah, of course. And I go on stage in front of thousands of people sometimes. Yeah. And I, I have to adjust too, you know, yeah. in the sense of like, I'll go on one night and I'm like, okay, this set, maybe I think I got to slow down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or I go out another night and I'm like, oh no, I think I got to speed it speed up. Speed it up a bit. Yeah. And, yeah. Hosting and being an MC and being a broadcaster, it's his own skill, right? Right. It's like a craft. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think craft. I got to, I think I got to pause here. I think yeah. I got to be louder. I got to, I got to, I got to hit this mark yep. a little harder, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's a lot of stand up too. It's a lot of craft, you know? Like pause here, build up, you know. Yeah, it's a lot of that. Absolutely. Are there any comedians that that are are coming up that that you're a fan of? Oh yeah, there's there's this guy that I did a special with that HBO thing. His name is Ian Lara. Really sweet, funny guy. Really, really funny guy from New York. Dominican dude. He has a special coming out nice. on HBO November 11th. I don't know the name of the special, but it's coming out November 11th. Nice. His name's Ian Lara. Really, really funny guy. And then there's other comics that I really like, comics that I started with, like this guy named Ramsey Badawi, that he's my friend. I go on the road with him. He's really funny. There's another comic named Paige Weldon that I started with. This guy named Mike Menendez, who I started with. He's really funny. Yeah, some of my favorite comedians are the people that I started with. Nice. Yeah, that's who I get really excited about watching. Nice. Yeah. And how does how does it feel, man, to to see that that circle that that you were mm. a part of when you started? Yeah. And and you start seeing wins yourself, but you also see start seeing wins for for, for that circle yeah. of yours. It feels good. It feels like we stuck it out, and you know, we kind of motivated each other, or we're inspired maybe by each other as well. Yeah. Like, you know, so. It feels really nice. It feels like you're part of a class, you know, like you think of like, who are the people you came up with and you can look back at them and go, oh, th these are my friends. And, you know, I think we were doing something right, you know? Yeah. There's, there's a comedian that we were talking about earlier. Uh, Barboza. What's his first name? That oh, uh, Ralph. 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 Yeah, he's really. I met him before. He's a really nice. He's a guy. funny dude, man. Oh, he's really, really. That's another guy that I think is people should check out. Ralph Barboza. He's out of, if I remember, he's out of Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really, really funny guy. I did a, I did two shows with him a few months ago here in LA. He's really, really funny. Out of Dallas, really, really funny guy. People should check out Ralph Barboza. Uh, Barboza. He's really, really funny dude. You know yeah. when 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 you see other Latino mm -hmm. comedians coming up, yeah, uh, is there a sense of 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 embracing that? Yeah, uh, you know the 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 upcoming talent, yeah, and and, and even like giving them pointers. Like, do yeah. you do you do that yourself? My goal is to destroy the competition. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, forget them. Forget uh, them all. Forget them all. <laughs> Uh, I spread rumors about them. I go, how can I sabotage them? Even even if they're not my same race, I try to sabotage them as well. Spread rumors about them. I give them misinformation. No, I I get really excited when I see when I see other like young Latinos, Latinos, Latinas doing stand up comedy. I think it's really cool. Yeah, like I think uh, it's great. I get like Ralph is really great ian lara's really great like there's a really great like latino stand-up comedian uh, melissa villasenor who was mm. on snl 
like i get really excited i think it's great because everybody has different voice and different style and i think i i get really excited and I, I, if I don't know them, I like to meet them, yeah. you know, like I just I sort of like feel I feel connected to anytime I meet someone who's a stand up and they're a Latino, even if we don't do the same type of comedy yeah. or we're in different scenes. I get really I go, cool, man, we do the same thing. We have an understanding of each other. We probably have similar backgrounds and there's a little bit more of an understanding there. Like one of my other favorite comedians is um, Jesus Trejo, yes. a really funny dude. And out of Long Beach, an LA comic, and I love Jesus. Like I always tell, you know, for, for most people, I always think of like watch Jesus Trejos. He had the Showtime special. Watch Ralph Barbosa. He his clips online, you yeah. know, are phenomenal. Yeah. Watch like Melissa Villasenor, Ian Lara. Like you know, I get I get really excited. I think it's cool. I think it's uh, I I don't know. I just get excited because people. It, Everybody brings a different, unique voice to stand up. Yeah. You know? How about um, when it comes to the the OGs of the game? They're who, cool too. Who, who did yeah. you grow up watching? Uh, in terms of just comics yeah, in yeah, general comics or Latino general. comics? No, comics in general. Oh, comics in general. Damn, I really, some of the comics I loved growing up were people like Colin Quinn, uh, Patrice O'Neill, Bill Burr, uh, Maria Bamford. Like, I really just enjoyed comics like real real comics i really enjoyed felipe esparza mm. um like some of those were like really even to like things like richard pryor and george carlin i really yeah. enjoy watching but like yeah greg giraldo's and he was a comic that passed away years ago he was out in new york uh colombian dude just really funny like sharp political but like clubby and kind of dirty comic in a way like yeah. he was great i get yeah i I love all stand-ups. Felipe Sparza, I remember I voted for him when he was on Last Comic Standing. Yeah. And this was years before I ever did stand-up. Like, wow. this was this was years. I just thought he was so funny. And, yeah, so I, I really... Those were the comics that I really liked. Jim Norton, like, people like that. I really, really enjoy. Uh, I like Cat Williams, like, you know, um, Jerry Seinfeld. I, I, I think I just like... There's, like, I like comics throughout different styles and genres. Yeah. Earlier we talked about uh Frankie. Yeah. Uh and and Frankie is obviously a, a co-star and 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 I'm sure you guys met uh yeah. beforehand in the com, com, like comedic circle yeah. Frankie Quinones. Yeah. I tried to sabotage him by starting rumors <laughs> about him. It didn't work, did it? Did not work. <laughs> did not. One of my great failures in life was not <laughs> was not ruining Frankie's career. Um no, he was great. I met him as a friend. Like we we met years ago doing stand up here in LA, and he was really nice. He took a chance on me. He like he he would take me on the road every. He would take me occasionally on the road with him and to open up for him. And he's really great. Yeah, Frankie's another great comedian that I really enjoy watching and really unique guy. Like yeah. does character work and like sketch and like stand up and whatnot and finds a way to mix sketch and. And stand up together in a good way. And uh, yeah. So I met Frankie through that. And then it was really cool from working with him as a stand-up comedian to him being on the show. So yeah. the show mm-hmm. is full that yeah. is streaming now on mm-hmm. Hulu. Yeah. Congrats again oh, on, thanks, on all the success of, of that yeah. show. And I'm sure it's it's opened a lot of doors mm-hmm. and, and windows and uh, eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I saw you guys on billboards across yeah, the nation. Yeah, that's right. That was really fun. That was uh, really cool. We were in New York. We saw you guys in billboards in New York. Yeah. All over LA. Yeah. Um, I mean, how was how was that? Like just to to yeah. see that come about. That was cool because I lived here. I grew up in LA and I grew up taking the bus everywhere and like driving everywhere when I was really young. So to drive around the city, to ride around not just the city of LA, but the whole county and like seeing different parts. Like I had a friend who sent me like a photo of like, hey, there's some there's some billboards here in Bell, <laughs> you know, like or there's there's some in South Central, there's some in the Valley, yeah. there's some at the Beverly Center, there's some in like Hawthorne, Inglewood. Yeah, I saw one in Southgate. Yeah. I saw one in Linwood. Yeah. So that was really cool. Like, you know, growing up in like the whole greater L.A. area. Like that was that was real dope for me. It was surreal, you know. It was real cool to like drive by and be like, "Oh, there I go!" Like it was really cool. I think a really exciting thing too was like also, I get a little lost in it because it, I was working on the show, yeah, and I haven't stopped working on it for years, so it just felt like a continuation of work. But it, like a real exciting thing for me was to get to work with the artist who did the lettering for the show, mm. the title art. Yeah, it was this guy named Chaz Boyorquez. He's an old graffiti artist from L.A. Um, grew up in Highland Park. Old Chicano guy. Who's, he's kind of, he's not kind of. He's known as the the godfather of West Coast graffiti. And he kind of mixes this style of like like Asian calligraphy yes. with Asian calligraphy with like Cholo English letters. Like yes. in old English letters, like blocasos and stuff. And that's a style that he, he invented and is known for. So when we reached, we reached out to him if to see if he would do the title art and you know he's in his late 60s i think maybe 70 at most and i was a big fan of his so to and you know he he would do graffiti in la in the 60s and 70s wow so then to see him to and he, he's a very successful artist he like showcases in museums and galleries all over the world and it's very popular in japan but to see him on a his artwork on a billboard all across the city yeah and he's an la guy to me that was that was almost as the, that was just as exciting as seeing me and frankie on a on a billboard together was seeing him you know i thought that was really because it was like implementing art yeah you know? yeah for sure especially as a as a creative i'm sure yeah it was really you, cool you yeah. appreciate those those things yeah i appreciate those things and it felt like i was curating something yeah and it was cool because I would find people message me going, uh, who that title art is cool or something. And I, it was cool to tell them, well, if you like it, check, he, this is the name of the artist. Look him up. What's his, his name again? Uh, Chaz Boyorquez. Okay. Yeah. Really, really talented dude. Um, yeah. And it was, it was really cool to get to work with them and him to do it. I think that's yeah. really cool because I would think as, as a fan of the show that Hulu handled Mm -hmm. all uh uh like all visuals logos no. like I, that's what I, I would think as a viewer yeah that's cool no. that you yeah they 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 were pretty hulu was really cool about letting me pick all that stuff and it was never even brought up that i wouldn't they were just like when it came to title art it was um they were like me and the showrunners i told i showed the showrunners who are jake weissman Matt Inga Britton and Pat Bishop. They're the guys that I co-created the show with. Uh, 
I showed them Chaz Boyorquez, his artwork. I had some of his books and whatnot. And they were like, this is great. Let's, let's reach out to him. And we reached out to him and Hulu saw the design and said, yeah, this is great. Cool. Let's do it. And then the same too, the same too with the theme song. Yes. It was, we got Chicano Batman. And then um, that just came from all four of us, me and the other creators being fans of their music. And then it didn't even occur to me because I just thought, who knows if they'd even do it. You know, they're so popular and. But we heard we would listen to their music occasionally on breaks from writing. And then one of the guys was like, we should ask them to do it. And then, yeah, we did. And they were really cool. And we and again, the the Hulu let us just reach out to them and have. And then we gave them direction on like the kind of sound, song we wanted. Yeah. And they were great, man. They were really cool. I If people don't know who they are, they should check them out. The yeah. the the visual the aesthetic of of the logo and even the theme song have like an asian influence oh like, yeah that like, somebody told me that i don't hear it but somebody somebody said that to me somebody said that to me i i, I never thought about it but i guess it does yeah, yeah. and I, I remember uh before even knowing yeah. that we would that you and i would, would be sitting here and talking yeah. um i thought man i i i have to ask Chris, how that came about, but you're, you, yeah. you said you, it wasn't on purpose, really. No, no. But I, now, mean, I mean, reaching out to Chaz, who his style is a mix of yeah. Asian calligraphy and like black assholes, you know, yep. it was it was more just being a fan of it. And then Chicano Batman, it was just more of like, I think we kind of said, like, um, gives a song some swagger. Yeah. And um, and. That's what they came up with. And yeah, I never thought about it. People say it. I, I, it's, I, I think it's like yeah. a, it's like a, some the, strings. The, the I would strings, imagine. Yeah. It's the yeah. strings, uh, that they use in, in the drums a little bit too. Yeah. Right? It's like a hip hop. Yeah. Slash Chicano slash like Asian influence. Yeah. I, got I think it's a little psychedelic. Maybe yeah. like we just told them cause they have a psychedelic kind of sound. Yeah. Like a psych- psychedelic soul sound, I guess. And yeah, that's what they came up with. Somebody pointed that out recently too, and I went, "Oh, that's cool. You see that? I mean, that's great. I I don't have any issues with that." But the, the beauty of art, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all it's interpretive in that way. Yeah. So the the show now, mm-hmm. uh, for those that haven't watched the show yet, yeah, how would you describe it? I think it's the way we describe it. The way we used to pitch the show, which maybe is not the most friendly, like more layman way to pitch to pitch it to regular people is we used to say it was Friday, but directed by the Coen brothers, like Friday, the movie Friday, yep. but directed by the Coen brothers who did like Fargo, Raising Arizona, Serious Man. But we wanted to make kind of a, a weird hood TV show that felt like Atlanta, that felt yeah. like some other shows that, but that was like not scared of being a comedy as well, you know? So I think it's a really cool, weird funny half hour about sort of a depressed dude and his gangster cousin in South Central Los Angeles. How similar Mm -hmm. are you to Julio, your character? Um, Similar enough. I mean, there's some things that I'm sure are similar. Like I, a lot of that like is on the more surface level. Like I have a cousin named Luis who was in prison 
I grew up with my mom and my grandma and my two sisters. Um, you know, I probably look at that like that's me when I wasn't doing comedy, maybe, you know, or sometimes you're in an, I have a dead end job. Like I have, I'm in a long term on and off relationship. So I think there's similarities. Yeah, there's some similarities for sure. So Julio was getting on my nerves. Yeah. Because I, I was I was rooting for him not to get back with. I shouldn't say much because people haven't watched the show. Yeah. But I was like, no, what are you doing? Yeah. I was yelling at the screen. Yeah. Chris, I was upset. Oh, that's good. Yeah. TV shouldn't make you TV shouldn't give people everything they want. You know, TV. I think good TV reflects life. If not, you get really bad shows like Big Bang Theory and Friends and garbage tv that's like that's just like kind of like friends man yeah well, hey we all like garbage you know like, but like you know but that we're not making that type of show you know yeah. like our show our show's more like there's consequences you know and 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 in in tv shows when you want to make them be reflective off of real life there's consequences to action sometimes people don't get back together and or they do or they do or or they don't you yeah. know and if they do it's not healthy or if they and if they don't it's maybe for the best but i think people because people are obsessed with like this notion of tv has taught you to do you have a couple like jam like a uh, jim and pam in the office mm -hmm. this will they won't they kind of yeah and you have and or from cheers with like the bartender and the woman that he was like, but I like, I like, I like the reverses. I like seeing the couple going, will they finally break up? Cause that to me is more real life. You know, yeah, yeah. that is, that's more reflective off of real life and funnier. Like to me, the other thing feels more fabricated mm -hmm. and I'd like, I like seeing things that feel a little more reflective and like, you know, that to me is real life. Sometimes people don't get back together or they do. And that's, and you know that it's a bad choice. Yeah, for sure. You know, I like being challenged by like TV and stuff. I don't like to like, I don't, I don't like to watch things and go, oh, they're back together. That's great. Now I feel happy. <laughs> like that does nothing for me. Yeah. Like I go, cool. Yeah. Like, like it, I like if they're back together, I like it to be a statement of like this. If they're back together, but it's not a good thing. Yeah. But th because that's reflective off of life, you know, mm -hmm. or if they're not together, if they don't, if they break up for good, I go great because that's real life, you know? And, you know, if you want TV shows that give you where nothing changes ever. Yeah. There's those shows. There's tons of shows to watch that are like that. And that's, that's great. If people love those shows, that's great. But if it's just not what I'm interested in making, you yeah. know, I like things that I like shows where there's real consequences and the, and the style of writing is more like film mm -hmm. than traditional TV. Right. Yeah. For the record, Joey and Monica are hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen it in years. I haven't seen it in years. No. I believe it though. But the, you know, that show's great. And if that's what you want out of a show. And I think you can watch both shows. And I think you can watch both styles of TV. For sure. Yeah. I just like shows that have real consequences. I like things that feel like a novel or things that feel reflective off of real life, you know? As opposed to being like, great, they're back together again. <laughs> what kind of wacky adventures are they going to get into? Yeah, yeah. You know, or like, 
I definitely like think that that this fool did a, a great job. You guys did a great job with oh, thanks. it being relatable. Oh, you yeah. know, and I think that's why I was connected to Julio. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, dude, are you kidding me? Yeah, because it was so relatable. You feel like either, mm. you know, someone like the character. Yeah. Um, or you are the character. Yeah. Well, I, I just like the idea of this guy. He's kind of a self-sabotaging guy, you know, and that's cool. It's cool to see something like that on TV. Yeah. Yeah. So t talk to me how, how, uh, Frankie and, and his character came about. I know we were just talking about it right before we, yeah, we started just shooting. Just inspired by my cousins, like old, my older cousins who were in gangs and then went to prison, you know, it was inspired by my, like three of my older cousins. So a lot of that was just like, I wanted to show, I know these guys. And I think oftentimes when you see kind of like when you see gangsters or cholos on TV, they feel buffoonish mm -hmm. or cartoony. And I'm like, but they're funny in a way that's not cartoony and buffoonish, you know? Yeah. And like, how do you depict that in a way that these guys are like, they're the kind of guys that will fuck you up, but also make fun of you. <laughs> and like, you know, or yeah, stuff like that. So that, that kind of came from that. It's just wanting to kind of show that and that dynamic of like two cousins, you know, finding each other again at different points in their lives. Yeah. You know, with, with Frankie, I think the, the character fits, fits him so, so well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's done another Cholo character in his yeah. comedy and skits and things like yeah. that. Uh, I mean, which is how a lot of people know him from Cholo yeah. Fit, Creeper. Right. Mm. But this is a different type of, of character. I guess. Yeah. Like a, I guess I don't look at like I guess I look at like because his that Creeper character is based on being a, a character. Yeah. A Cholo character and fitness instructor yeah fitness instructor it's <laughs> kind of conceptual yeah and i think i think what he's it's not based it's kind of based out of a figment of his imagination as where i think this character is he's not depicting a character who is a cholo character he's depicting a human being right you know who happens to be who happens to be that yeah right. that's ex that's the difference yeah is i think it's a very grounded character who just happens to be that you know a guy who's kind of you know, out of prison, finding himself, how do I re how do I get engaged back into the world? You know, so it's less about, you know, it's just a guy who happens to be that. Yeah. yeah. Do you happen to have a, a favorite episode or a favorite scene without yeah. going too far into it? For yeah. Those that haven't I, watched. Uh, I love episode four is a birthday episode. I really like a lot because <laughs> I think that episode was we were trying to capture like what depression and like what being existential, mm -hmm. like thinking about life a lot looks like, you know? Yeah. And what, when you're depressed and you hate, you don't, you hate your birthdays. And yeah. what does that look like? It's, which a yeah. lot of people do. Yeah, like, a lot of a lot people, people that, do. that don't like the birthday. birthday. Yeah. So I like that episode a lot. And then there's an episode nine. It's called the rich. And then it's, um, it's about these, it's about this nonprofit hugs, not thugs, you know, hosting some billionaires who are possibly going to give them money. Yeah. And uh, I like how dark and twisted that episode is and what it says about <laughs> class and like money. And yeah. Yeah. You uh, know, that one that one gave me, um, you know, there's there's uh, there's some episodes in, yeah. in, in, in ATL with Donald Glover that are yeah. kind of like dark and twisted. Yeah. But still funny. Yeah. 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 Um, 
I, that gave me that type of vibe. And, yeah. And it was, and Fred Armisen is. Yeah, he's really funny. Is amazing. In, yeah. Uh, in that, in the episode. Yeah. That episode was the one that I really like a lot because it's so dark and conceptual <laughs> and like. A lot of know, turns. A lot of turns. Kind of talking about like, you know, what nonprofits have to go through to make money. Talking about disconnected billionaires. Yeah. You know, so I really like that episode a lot. I think that episode is really funny really dark and then the birthday episode and then yeah i really like all of them but i think there's another episode too there's uh episode three it's called emotional timothy it's about this guy my character leaves a date with a woman who's seems like a great woman right to go back to the comforts of like a destructive relationship you know and then luis and the michael imperioli character uh pain go and get an engagement ring back from an old fiance. And I like that episode a lot too. We had Noemi Gonzalez yeah. here on the show and she's amazing. man. Yeah. She's very talented. She was great in that episode. Really likable. Really like you, you were like, Oh, I hope he keeps <laughs> talking to her. Yeah. 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 He keeps talking to her, you know? Yeah. And then he ends up blocking her and like, kind of goes back to the comforts of a, but that's relation. that's so realistic, man. Yeah. Like, you know, how many times that's that what ha- you don't see in friends. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see in- True. Yeah. True. I don't remember Ross doing anything yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I, I I love that that you know, when I saw her, I was so happy to see her. Yeah. And just, I was like, Oh man, I really hope, you know, they yeah. they kick it off and things yeah. may or may not end yeah. up as 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 I thought it would, yeah. but um, it was nice to see her. On yeah, there. she's really talented. She was great. Yeah, it really brought a lot to that role. I want to go into uh, this next part of our Mondo and Friends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we call it Rapid Fire with okay. Chris Estrada. Let's do it. You ready, Chris? Yeah. A million dollars or a million followers? A million dollars because then I wouldn't give about a million followers. <laughs> salsa roja or salsa verde? Verde. Uh, anything less spicy, I'm bad with spice. But also I have acid reflux, so yeah. Give me that verde. I'm part of that club too. Yeah. I gotta go light on, on the salsa. Yeah. And I can't eat hot Cheetos after 6 o'clock. Don't do it, man. It's a nightmare. So I feel your pain, man. It's a nightmare. Favorite piece of tech that you use? Yeah, I would say my phone yeah. or my uh, AirPods or whatever. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. Favorite Latino food dish? Um, geez, whatever my mom makes. What's What's the favorite plate that, that dish that that she makes? You know, she makes pretty bomb chile rellenos. Nice. Probably that. Yeah. Nice. My mom makes a, an amazing carne en su jugo. Oh, that's dope. With the bacon and yeah. the diezmillo and the green salsa. Ooh. Bomb. Best song to play at a party or your favorite song to play? My favorite song to play, period. You know, I grew up on punk rock, so nobody wants to listen to my music at parties, you know. (laughs) Like, uh, I don't know. I grew up on punk rock, so that's the stuff I like, you know, but. What's your favorite band? I like The Clash and stuff like that. But I, you know, if I feel like if I had to pick like, you know. If I'm at a party and it's friends and it's friends that I grew up with, like, I don't know, banda's fun, you know. Nice. Or playing some rancheras yeah, or yeah, whatever. Your favorite banda? You know, I like banda recodos, pretty catchy. Nice. Or, you know, like, 
yeah, just whatever, whatever sounds good. Yeah. I like that. Shout out to Banda, Banda El Recodo. Yeah, Banda El Recodo. Uh, there's a reference to Morrissey on the show, too. Yeah. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it, but... You're like Morrissey. <laughs> no. Uh, the reference is Morrissey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. So you don't like... You don't listen to Morrissey in real life? Uh, Either. Oh, okay. Uh, we were playing Morrissey earlier. So yeah. Let's, let's not I play I mean, it's that. cool for whoever <laughs> likes it. Whoever likes it. I, I have no problem. It's just not what I'm into. You know, you know I walked into... I walked into a 7-Eleven once. Yeah. It was late, late, late night. Yeah. Um, and they... And some guy walked in and he's like, look, man, I just got yeah. my my full forearm signed by Morrissey. Uh, and he says, I'm on my way to the tattoo shop to get it tattooed right now. That's how other losers can identify themselves. <laughs> And it's like, oh, you're a you're a loser too. You're, yeah, this thing way. was like from from yeah. like here to here. Yeah, it's a good way for other losers to really find themselves. You know, yeah, other people with bad taste in music. <laughs> best singer, best singer of all time. Ugh, best singer of all time. Jeez, that's hard. Damn, I don't. Oof. I, this is rapid fire, and I'm not being rapid about this. <laughs> um, I don't know. Antonio Aguilar. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Antonio Aguilar. Yeah. Lastly, mm-hmm. a nickname of yours yeah. that no one really knows about. Oh, you know, I had a. When they were calling me, when I was a kid, like in high school, some of my friends from Chris out of nowhere came Krusty. So they would call me Krusty. Nobody calls me that anymore, but it was just like a thing during high school that my friends would go, hey, Krusty or whatever, you know? Yeah, I don't. That's Yeah, that's a nickname. Krusty. Krusty, yeah. Speaking of kids, the kids on the show are great, man. Oh, yeah, they're funny. Uh, they're yeah. hilarious. Yeah, they're really cool. Um, so, yeah, Krusty, yeah. I want to thank you <laughs> for coming to Mondo and Friends, yeah, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It was a pleasure. lot of fun. Such yeah. a pleasure. Uh, you know, we're, we're all hoping... For a season two. You and me both. And, uh, you know, we know that regardless of, of, of everything, yeah. um, we, of, of all the good things that are coming yeah. your way, we know that, that you're going to continue to kill Thanks, it, man. Thanks, man. It really means a lot. You as well. Amazing things. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, man. Chris. Thank you. Chris Estrada, thank you so much. And cool. thank you so much for watching Mondo and Friends presented by Verizon.